Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gail Morgan welcoming you to the Libertarian Counterpoints Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. You've heard their point, now listen to the counterpoint. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty. Uh, we are coming at you on August 18, 2021, somehow staying afloat in this crazy administration. Uh, day by day, it just gets crazier and crazier. But uh, uh, before we get into that, uh, I want to introduce my panel to you. And we do have a special guest today as well. But uh, let's start with the uh, lower left-hand corner. We have our screaming eagle of freedom, Tim Everett. He is a pilot in the state of California. In our upper right-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. And in my lower right-hand corner, we have our special guest today, Spike Cohen, who was uh, the 2020 vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Uh, again, welcome, Spike. Glad to have you here for this one. Thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay. Well, we, we said we're going deeper and deeper into the chaos, and boy, is just can't be more true than ever. We see it all over the news. In fact, the news isn't even trying to hide it anymore. I mean, this stuff that's happening in Afghanistan is just absolutely crazy. Um, it, uh, James, if you could show the uh, images on the screen here. This is from the AP, and so uh, it, here they have uh, all of these people desperately trying to get on planes yep. as the... Uh, administration uh, abruptly pulls everyone out of the country. Um, and it, it's so desperate that people were even clinging to the sides of the plane as the plane went up and some of these people fell to their death. And I just can't imagine anything, you know, more distressing that uh, that would drive people uh, to, to this end. than you know, the idea that they're going to be stuck under this regime of people who are just going to terrorize them. Um, and, uh, you know, these are just a few other images, uh, uh, from that, but, uh, I guess we can pull down the images at this point, James, but, um, yeah, so that, that was, uh, just, just absolutely flooring. So everything literally fell apart in a matter of days. We were assured as always in policing the world, you know, we're told by our central planners that, Hey, they got this, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is their game. They know what they're doing. Uh, and you know, 20 years later, you know, I guess trillions of dollars later, it sounds like, uh, we are, you know, running out of the country and leaving people behind American citizens too, uh, to who knows what fate at this point, um, yep. because Pro Biden probably, administration, certain, probably certain that for many of them, maybe and, and the, yeah. the Biden administration is relying on the word of the Taliban to keep these people safe. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, and, and meanwhile, the Taliban, uh, in a move that surprised no one, uh, is already telling civilians to turn their guns over. And, and it was interesting because they released a statement saying, we realize that you needed these guns during the war to keep yourself safe. You're safe now. There's nothing, nothing to worry about. Please hand yeah. over your guns. Now, of course, we know what happens next, right? That 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 is the precursor to what everyone's expecting to happen, which is right. going to be absolutely devastating to this country. The, if you think of the mindset of someone who would cling to the side of an airplane that is going to go hundreds of miles an hour for several hours, tens of thousands of feet in the air, I don't think any of them really thought that the likelihood was high that they were going to make it. And I mean, in, indeed, they, they didn't even make it you know, much past the takeoff. Um, I think their thought was either this works or I die quickly. Either way, at least this is resolved. And yes. if you think of that kind of mindset, the abject horror, by the way, if you'll notice, most of those people were uh, fighting age men who were able to get on the base. That's your vaunted Afghan army right there. Yeah. 20 years, $100 billion, once you factor in inflation, just spent 
on growing this Afghan army. But the problem was from the beginning, the Taliban was recruiting people who wanted to fight against the occupation and take their country back and didn't need to get paid to do it. And we were collecting the people who wanted a paycheck and the perks of being part of a government that's being, you know, lavishly funded by a rich foreign country's taxpayers. I believe the reason the country fell so fast is we know there wasn't much fighting. There was very little fighting. You just had Afghans abandoning their posts. I think a lot of times they weren't even abandoning their posts. They were talking, taking off their Afghan army hat, putting on their Taliban hat and saying, we're in charge now because they were there collecting U.S. taxpayer checks for many years, but they were always part of the Taliban. They didn't want us there. 3% of the Afghan population voted in their elections. They didn't want us there. They didn't see the system that we set up as legitimate. And it doesn't make sense. The 20 years that were spent there, the uh, almost 2,500 Americans who died there, not to mention the tens of thousands more who came home alive, but with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, chronic health problems, the trauma and memories of, of losing their friends uh, over there, uh, often coming home on the same planes as their friends in their flag draped caskets, the the tens of thousands of U.S. and Western contractors that died over there and the many more who came back permanently scarred, the hundreds of thousands of Afghans, most of whom were innocent civilians who lost their lives. It doesn't make sense if you look at it from the standpoint of trying to protect America or trying to get bin Laden. But the fact is, that's not why we were there. We weren't there to get bin Laden. Mullah Omar, the leader of the Taliban, described um, uh, Osama bin Laden as a chicken bone stuck in his throat. He didn't want bin Laden. The opening offer when the U.S. right after 9-11 came to the Taliban and said, hand over bin Laden now or you're inv we're invading your country. The opening offer from the Taliban was we would be happy to get bin Laden. We'd prefer to bring him to a, a third party country, a Muslim country, where he can be tried and punished off to and including the death penalty if you can present us the evidence that he did this. This is how extradition processes with countries that don't have treaties work. Our offer should have been, no, we'll give you the evidence, but you're bringing them over to us. And hey, how'd you like a trade deal? And there are any bridges you need repaired? And, you know, spend a few million bucks and get bin Laden. At that time, bin Laden had a, had a handful of, of, of uh, adherents and followers. The Taliban could have easily rounded them up and bring them to us. And they knew that, but they wanted to invade. When bin Laden uh, uh, escaped to Pakistan, they pretended bin Laden didn't exist anymore for 10 years and invaded entire countries in the Middle East. Uh, even after they killed him, we were there for another 10 years in Afghanistan. <clears throat> it was not about keeping us safe. We knew it wasn't keeping us safe. We knew it wasn't about bin Laden. All, everything that you're watching only makes sense when you look at through it through this prism. What would generate the most money for the crony corporations who make up the military industrial complex and the central banks that make up the U.S. Federal Reserve System? Then it makes sense. Then all of this nonsense, the lives lost, the years lost, two generations of, of soldiers, America's best and bravest being sent over there, uh, uh, the, the civilian lives lost over there, the goodwill lost, $6.5 trillion once you factor in inflation and interest uh, through 2050 being spent in Afghanistan for a country whose GDP is $19.2 billion, meaning that we spent 3,000 times as much as the country's actually even worth on the country. That only makes sense if you look at it through how can we generate as much money as possible for the military industrial complex and the U.S. central banking system. And that is the most cynical reason to do everything that they did. But you know, but you know Spike, okay, I, I, I will grant you most of what you just said, okay? But 
I see Afghanistan in two phases. Okay, one there was a war, is <clears throat> the war phase, which was the first two years I would probably say, and then we had 18 years of nation building, which right that that is not the job of the military. 18 years right. that nation building is not the job of the military. Period. Okay. Yeah. Now, from my perspective, my from my perspective, somebody knocked down those towers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Came right here in our land. Yep. And knocked down those towers. <clears throat> Just 10 days prior to those towers coming down, I was walking through those towers with my with nephews and nieces. 10 days before, okay? The question then, what should we do about that? So in from that perspective, I see the first two years of the Afghan, Afghanistan war as justified. Now the nation mm-hmm. building stuff, which is what I think most of which is what right. you're speaking about, I have a real problem with because that mm-hmm. is not the job of the military. To me, right. the military is there to fight and win wars, period, <clears throat> end of story. Right. But this nation-building stuff is really where all that corruption you have just laid out, that is where mm-hmm. all of that got in. And But that is how I see it. I, 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 do, I do separate this into the actual war phase versus the nation-building phase. And the nation-building phase, to me, is quite atrocious. Right. And I, and obviously we agree on that. Going to your question about what should have been done about 9-11, there's two parts to that. Number one, we need to find who was responsible and bring them to justice. If right. the Taliban's response had been, no, screw you, we're never going to work with you, you're going to have to kill us to the last one and invade our country, then the, yes, that would make sense to invade. They wanted to hand bin Laden over. They were trying to save face by negotiating. They wanted to hand bin Laden over. And for that matter, we should have immediately been doing the same thing in Saudi Arabia. Iraq had nothing to do with it. To a lesser extent, Pakistan had nothing to do with it. You go to the the Taliban that's harboring bin Laden and the Saudis who are funding al-Qaeda at that point and say enough already. You also go to the CIA and tell them to stop funding al-Qaeda too, but that's a whole other subject. The second part of that, the second part of that is look at why they did it. You know, we were told, oh, they did it because they hate us for our freedoms. If you actually read what they said, it was because we were occupying Mecca and Medina. It was because we had been destabilizing and bombing and invading uh, most of the Muslim world, including in, from all the way from Somalia all the way to, to Pakistan and every country in between, uh, starting with uh, Operation Ajax in Iran in 1953. They were sick of it. They said, you know what? If you're going to kill millions of us in the Iran-Iraq war alone, something like four million people died. And a lot of that was because of the U.S. giving chemical weapons to Saddam Hussein to try to stop uh, the Soviet-friendly Iranians, right? And and if you look at all of that, their thought was, you know what? Then we'll kill a few thousand of you and you'll know what it feels like. Now, we have to stop that. We can't simply go, oh, well, I guess we learned our lesson. No, you stop al-Qaeda, you bring them to justice. But you also look at why it happened in the first place. So if I had magically been president uh, on September 12th of 2001, I would have immediately done the exact same thing we did when it came to going to uh, uh, Afghanistan and saying, listen, you need to hand them over. That's not optional. Okay. And then as, then we start negotiating, right? The negotiation is, all right, you know what, instead of spending trillions of dollars on a failed war effort, which everyone knew that's what was going to happen. This was going to be Vietnam all over again. We'd lose less soldiers, but we'd spend way more money. Right. And we'd end up abandoning all of our allies there and all, everything that we fought for, for two generations would be lost literally just like Vietnam Uh, actually lasted longer than Vietnam or we can do some negotiation, 
to get bin Laden and his people, maybe spend a couple hundred million in the country on bridges or, you know, build a stadium or, or, you know, give them a trade deal or something like that, you know, work out some kind of relations with them. It's not going to be perfect, but we get the people that we want. Then what we do is look at our foreign policy. Why do they hate us? Why are they recruiting against us? Because they don't want us there. Yes. They want an Islamic caliphate in their countries. Okay. Lobby for that if you want to, but they weren't attacking us to spread Islam to America. They were attacking us to stop the invasion. It's literally what they've said at every step. So those are the two things I would say there is, is we need to look at I, I, as angry as we were on 9-11 and we wanted blood. We didn't need Afghan blood. The Afghans didn't do it. We needed the blood of, of, of bin Laden and his associates. And the Taliban would have been ha was happy to negotiate with us to hand him over. <laughs> Tim, I know you're pretty passionate on this issue. You want to jump in on this? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. Um, it well, is, that, you know, just open the faucet, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, number one, I, I agree with every word that just came out of Spike's um, uh, very fast-moving lips. Uh, and uh, I'm wondering, since uh, Biden has uh, given a lot of AR-15s, or at least allowed a lot of AR-15s to fall into the hands of the Taliban, if that means that he's not going to want me to have an AR-15 uh, still, or, or is it okay if, if the Taliban can have an AR-15, how come I can't? Yeah, uh, that's, he that'd be my just handed over billions it, of dollars in U.S. munitions. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so there's that, you know, but but of course I'm sure he's still going to lobby to uh, uh, to prevent me from from owning an AR-15. But uh, uh, that joke aside, and seriously though, um, th those arms were probably meant uh, for the the ridiculous Afghan army, and of course uh, that's why they ended up in the hands of the Taliban. And I think that that was uh, uh, one of the parts of this cluster that just uh, was bound to happen. Uh, and if, you know, if they would have kept those arms away from the Afghan army, then maybe the Taliban wouldn't have gotten them. But then the Afghan army would have had no arms, uh, even even if they were um, uh, liable to to utilize them against the Taliban, which they weren't. But you, you see, yeah. it's it's you're caught between a, hard, a rock and a hard place regarding the weapons. And I know that's not the focus. I'm just kind of trying to make serious of what I have just made light regarding AR-15s. Now, I can't even do uh, the justice to the whole concept of the military industrial complex. Got us into this. It was blowback from the beginning and blowback was a CIA uh, term coined prior to 9-11. This is baked into the cake, folks. Uh, and, and the next time the United States government wants to go to some impoverished 12th century nation and bomb people in there and kill kill these uh, these dark skinned people that that likely hit, never even saw 9/11 on their te television set yes. they did not own they didn't even know they, they I, didn't even yep. know about it yeah then yep. uh, but the next time the U.S. government comes to you don't be so gung ho all fired up uh, let's let's go get them. Okay, stop and think for a minute. And 
you know, it's just don't fall for it again and again and again. It just, yeah. it, you know, makes you look stupid. So stop yeah. it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. But, but okay. Okay, fine. But at some place, where, so where do we draw the line? We have well, Spike just said it. Well, we go after Wait, we have a military and we have them for a purpose. Now I will, I will grant you, I will grant you the point of the military industrial complex. I grant you that. Okay. But we have a military. They're there to fight and to win wars. Are we not? Are we not to use them when necessary? And I think 911 was clearly necessary. Uh, Somebody. Uh, well, let's let's up. define necessary. Yeah, ne necessary is if we don't use them, they're going to kill us. If we have a government in a foreign country who says, uh, yes, we will definitely work with you to hand over the people that are responsible for this, why would our response be, no, we're going to kill you and a bunch of civilians too? What What's the reason for that? If Now, again, if they had said, no, we're not handing them over, you're going to have to come get them. Okay, great. Now we got to invade, right? And like you said, go invade, get the person and leave because we're not there to the nation build. We're not there to try to defeat an entire country. But if that's not required, then why are we wasting American lives and American time and American money and treasure if if that's not needed? The purpose of the military is to direct is to uh, um, is to protect us against uh, against harm and to bring justice to those who who bring us harm. Right. So. But this wasn't needed in this case. Do the buildup. Fine. You do the military buildup. You make sure the, the Taliban knows we're getting bin Laden one way or another. And you say we want him. We'll give you the evidence. We'll show you the evidence that he did it, but we want him. He's not going to a third-party country. We want him. We will try him. We'll even try him in a fair trial according to international standards. We'll try all of them and all of that. We're not going to summarily execute him, but we're going to try him, and he's going to be brought to justice, and that's that. And if it means a trade deal with you or if it means you know building some bridges that you need or a pipeline or whatever, then we'll do that, but, we want, but we're getting him. That could have been done with zero American lives shed, with, with you know zero Afghan lives shed except for whatever Taliban it took to, to round up bin Laden and his associates. More than likely, bin Laden would have died in a firefight with the Taliban when they're trying to get him anyway. If you, I mean, we're going to re really get to that. He's not going to want to be given up to the Americans. Um, and, and, you know, in that, we've accomplished all the goals and no one died. And there was there was no bombings and no Afghan. I mean, we talk about, you know, this this terrible thing that happened because of thousands of, of American civilians that are dead. And that's horrific. Now, imagine the thousands, tens of thousands of Afghan civilians that died in the first couple weeks of the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan. Do their lives not matter? Of course. This this is we use the military when necessary. I would argue this wasn't necessary. If there was still an avenue to be able to negotiate getting bin Laden and bringing him to us, then that was the best way for everyone involved in my mind, except for bin Laden. Bin Laden actually wanted us to go there. He said that multiple times in the 90s when uh, uh, that reporter went over and said, you know, what's your goal? And he said, my goal is to cripple uh, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. military and the U.S. war, the U.S. empire. And, and the reporter joked and said, you and what army? <laughs> Our army! <laughs> That's who he was going to use. He was going to send, bring our army over, entice our army to come over and defeat themselves and have us lose the desire to have an empire, which honestly is probably best for everyone involved. But that was his goal. He wanted the invasion. He wanted the occupation. He wanted them to invade Iraq. He would have loved for them to invade Syria. He would have loved for them to invade Libya. He loves the U.S. sponsored genocide in Yemen that is actually being carried out largely by Al Qaeda and it's and its elements. So that's the reality of the military industrial complex. And even in this, there wasn't, in my mind anyway, from what I've seen from that historical time, 
there was no need to invade. They were ready to hand him over, and it could have been done with bait. Imagine how much better it could have been if instead of having to have this big war, we could have put bin Laden on trial. Or we could have said, you know what? We didn't even have to kill him. The Taliban killed him in, in trying to capture him. He he, he wasn't willing to, to give it up. And now we're going to go and turn to Saudi Arabia and, and let them know that they better turn over anyone they have with al-Qaeda or they're going to have it coming to them. That's the way to handle this. In my now that we've got you here and you, you know, and, uh, you and um, uh, Joe were running for office and the fact that you guys could have potentially in a long shot been there when all this happened. Um, it, you know, this is one of the things that uh, definitely we hear a lot from libertarians that we, you know, let's stop policing the world. Let's, uh, you know, let's pull back the empire. I and mean, that was right. certainly a big push of Ron Paul's. Let's let's bring back the empire and shore up things at home. And then we can start, you know, generating more liberty here. But but the the issue is how to go about that and I, I know you must have thought about this in the past few days because you know i i imagine you guys would have probably also wanted to start pulling things back as well did, did you have any thoughts on what's the best way to do something like that to disentangle us from from these commitments in the rest of the world so if i were magically president january of 2021 and i had inherited the deal that trump had negotiated with the taliban to pull out by may i would have said it is crucial that we pull out by may because anything else is going to be a violation of this agreement and it's going to be an invitation to more conflict, which is exactly what happened. I would have immediately started fast. I would have ordered the fast tracking of all visa applications of, uh, of interpreters and other helpers and their families to be able to get out of Afghanistan way before the pullout date. Like, go ahead, let's start doing this now. January, February, March, April. Get them out, okay? This isn't millions of people. We're talking like 20, 30,000 people that, you know, had helped, them and their families had helped and been able to, to, to be able to get them out. That, that can be done in a very orderly fashion. Uh, I would have, first of all, there's no way Joe Biden didn't know that the military was, they may not have known it was going to be eight days, but they knew that military was a joke. The Afghan army was an absolute joke. Yeah. They weren't running their own uh, logistics. They couldn't even run their own air traffic control system. They had to bring in outside contractors to do that. Like they literally couldn't do air traffic control. They're not going to be able to defend against the Taliban who's been successfully, uh, you know, defending themselves against the, the most powerful and, and sophisticated uh, high tech military in human history. There's no way they're going to, they're going to crumble immediately. Maybe not yeah. eight days, but certainly within a, a matter of weeks. That's and the way it is in, with Saudi Arabian pilots, too. They, they have to have American pilots go uh, nursemaid them because they can't fly. Yeah, it's utter nonsense. <laughs> and they, they, should have taken it, they shouldn't have taken it seriously. Uh, or they shouldn't have taken the, the Afghan army seriously. The, I, I guarantee you we're going to be finding out over the next two years that literally every signal they were getting is this army's a joke. Most of them are Taliban. There's no reason to do like, this is stupid. Um, and so you fast track the, the processing of the people that were helping us to come over here. Um, and I also would have started talking in the process with the Taliban about whatever government ends up being in charge of Afghanistan, we want to have good relations moving forward. So instead of having this antagonistic positioning uh, that's completely unnecessary when we're literally pulling up, hey, you bet, we're going to kick your ass and we're leaving. Like that, what does that do? That does nothing but just antagonize them and they know that they're winning anyway. So how does that help us? Already start saying, we want to talk about things like trade deals, diplomatic deals, extradition deals, uh, you know, uh, we, I'm really sorry that all the previous administrations have been, uh, you know, uh, protecting child traffickers and drug cartels in your country. We'd like to work together on, 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 you know, 
uh, uh, dealing with, you know, uh, cartels that have, you know, given a rise in your country. We want to help squash out these cartels, especially the child trafficking cartels. Really sorry about us letting tens of thousands of uh, Afghan children be groomed by pedophiles for the better part of 20 years. Um, you know, that would have been the diplomacy we would have done. And in showing that we're making a clear break from imperialism and moving towards a actual relationship with the government of Afghanistan, whoever is in charge of it, while simultaneously getting out the people that helped us in a fast way. And 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 why are we just now getting people out of there? They've known, first it was May, then it was September 11th. We've known they're leaving. Why the hell are they still there? Why would we not be talking with the Taliban and say, hey, listen, we want out as soon as possible. We only have to stick around if you guys start charging. So just stay there, we're gonna leave, and then you do whatever you want, right? That's how you deal with this. And, and all it does is it takes actual diplomacy instead of relying on third party groups and relying on assurances from the same corrupt, drunken, uh, drug addicted, corrupt pedophiles that we've had running the country for the past uh, 20 years. Well, you know, they, uh, we're at about the time and uh, getting near the end of the show, and we're at about that time for our knucklehead noise control. And that's where. Somebody says something uh, silly in the press or in politics, and gosh, it, it, it's a little bit of shift of gears, but it takes us back home. And yes. uh, right now we have uh, our uh, former Ar uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger of California, yes. um, and he was recently in an interview. And by the way, uh, James, can we get the uh, visual up on this? So, uh, yeah, so, so he was recently in an interview where he had said uh, <laughs> that... Uh, regarding the the virus and the uh, the coronavirus and the vaccine, uh, he said, "There's a virus here. It kills people, and the only way we prevent it is to get vaccinated, get masks, to do social distancing, washing your hands all the time, and not just to think about. Well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom, because freedom comes with obligations and responsibility. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's uh, that's my bad Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, that's, that wasn't bad. That was pretty good. That actually, that was, that was that was good. That was good, Jason. You should you should mention though that that man was a, was yeah. called himself a Republican. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 And he was a governor, but screw your freedoms. I, you know, I'm just curious what you guys have yeah. to hear they say about that. Yeah, we're we're gonna screw your freedoms. No. Uh, so. I am utterly bewildered and shocked that the star of Kindergarten Cop is not the champion for liberty that we were hoping he would be for the past 20 years. Listen, Arnold Schwarzenegger is and has been a big government Republican from the beginning, right? Like, this is nothing yes. new. Yes. Uh, I remember when he gave his uh, – this. I was still a, a neocon – liberty somewhat liberty leaning in some things neocon uh foreign policy republican back when uh, uh arnold schwarzenegger gave his speech at the 2004 uh republican uh convention and he gets up and he said he said i remember when i became a a, a republican i was listening to richard nixon and someone i said what is richard nixon and they said He's a Republican. And I said, then I'm a Republican. And I'm like, Richard Nixon? <laughs> like, he, I was a Republican back then. I'm like, Richard Nixon? <laughs> like, got us off the gold standard? Yeah, yeah. Got us embroiled in Cambodia and Laos? Like, this is who, this, Richard Nixon, of all the people you could have decided were your heroes in, in the Republican Party, Richard Nixon. So, Right from there, I always was a little suspect of him. And I know everyone loved that he was able to get elected as a Republican governor. But now, look, that, that, that's 
they, he kind of made a, a joke out of the Republican Party in, in California. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I yeah, mean, definitely. But, but it, you know, that, 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 comment, that comment that you made just put the lights out on Tim. It looks like yeah, no, he's done. <laughs> he's done. He was not happy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, okay, he's back. I, I thought... There. I thought we offended. I thought I offended Tim with my. With my talk about Arnold. <laughs> but you, know, that, 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 you have to say Arnold Schwarzenegger. He appointed some of the most left-wing people you could imagine at the commission. The two of them in particular, as I remember. When I talk about left-wing, I mean I'm talking about far-left people, socialist-type people. He appointed them. So probably I'm not. I should not be surprised by his statement. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. And, yep, uh, you know, stay free despite whatever Arnold Schwarzenegger said. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for watching the Knuckleheads of Liberty. Listen each week in Sacramento on Comcast Channel 17 for Knuckleheads of Liberty on Monday at 5.30 p.m. and the Libertarian Counterpoint Show on Thursday at 8 p.m.